Well, I've got good news and I got bad news. The good news is everything is changing. So there are new possibilities everywhere. The bad news is everything is changing. So don't expect the old to remain the same. Hey, if you fall in either one of those camps with your feelings, stick around. We got a whole lot of exciting things to talk about in today's 48 Days podcast. Do you love your work? Do you think it's possible? Well, you're about to find out. It's time for 48 Days to the Work You Love with Dan Miller on the 48 Days Online Radio Show. Whether you need a professional tune-up or a work overhaul, this is the program for you. Now, here's your host, Dan Miller. Our sponsor today is Audible.com, where they have more than 180,000 audiobooks and spoken word audio products. You can get a free audiobook of your choice at audiblepodcast.com slash 48 days. And you know me, I'm going to have a specific recommendation. As a matter of fact, I've got a little audio clip itself that I want you to listen to as it relates to a question coming up. Well, this is Dan Meller. Welcome into this episode of 48 Days Online Radio. Here's our theme for today. My job is killing me. Well, yeah, I hear a whole lot of those stories, but you know we start off with success stories as well because not everybody feels like the changes are negative. Not everybody is struggling. Yeah, we got those questions, but we got some exciting success stories to share as well. Here are some of the questions I'm going to talk about today. Then I have ADD and I hate using it as an excuse. However, my mind switches tracks so often I can't seem to make traction on anything. Probably a whole lot of you that just raised your hand on that. That elusive ADD, ADHD kind of thing floating around out there. I want to talk about that a little bit. Next question, Dan, I currently have a day job that I make $24 an hour. I'd like to know if I should use the same rate when calculating my time, you know, when moving on into doing something on my own. Well, we'll talk about what kind of formula you ought to be looking at to duplicate the current rate of income that you have. What do you need to do if you move out into doing something on your own? I'll give you some techniques on that. Dan, I feel like my job is physically killing me with exhaustion and I'm having unhealthy, terrible thoughts a hundred percent of the time. I'd say a change is due. Dan, I was fired from my job a year ago. And so I decided to turn my part-time income of teaching yoga into a full-time adventure. And somebody says, Dan, my career has two of the three legs of the stool. The leg that is missing is passion. You hear me talk about the three legged stool, passion, talent, and money. Got to have all three. Two-legged stool, it's going to fall over. It's going to knock you over sooner or later if you don't have all three. Well, Benjamin Franklin is our quotation guy for the day who said, it is the working man who is the happy man. It is the idle man who is the miserable man. You know, sometimes I think people think, well, if I could just quit working, just have nothing to do, I'd be happy. Well, we don't see that borne out. Very often, just this week again, I encountered a gentleman who retired and his misery got the best of him. Very unfortunate outcome, but he just could not handle the unpredictability, not having anything to do, not having a reason to get up in the morning. As glamorous as that may sound, it doesn't work. Be thankful that you've got a reason to get up in the morning. If right now the reason is to make a paycheck, be glad at least for that as a starting point. 
Well, hey, thanks for the notes that are coming in about how to raise creative children. Again, we're building up to that November 20th episode where Joanne and I are going to talk specifically about and only about how to raise creative entrepreneurial children. Uh, Send your thoughts in to kids at 48days.com. That helps me track all those amazing ideas coming in. If you just send them to kids at 48days.com. I've got some amazing stories in there. I'll just heard from a 13 year old who wasn't physically able to do some of the things he thought he was going to do had a challenge, had an accident that set him back. And so he sold everything he got, had bought a little drone and now he's doing pictures for real estate agents of houses with his drone. Just lots of cool stuff. Let's hit some success stories. And then I want to get to some of these very challenging real life questions as well. Rebecca Morgan says uh, she, in one of her uh, posts, she says, um, I can't believe it's only been one month since coaching with excellence. I feel prepared, supported, ready to do this from the experience in the community. After a gazillion years with one company where I had great opportunities, promotions, traveled the world, the job people would love to have and felt pretty comfortable and could probably until I retired, I gave notice this week that I'll be leaving January, 2016. I didn't have October 1st as a milestone to do this. I actually would probably have waited until I had to because it's scary and hard. But the night before it came to me that tomorrow is the day I was surprisingly calm, shared my why in doing so. And it was done since a few more days have now passed. I feel even better in doing so and truly feel free. I'm starting my own consulting business called choose awesome. Choose awesome.work is the, is the site for that. I help businesses be more awesome by making awesome their business model by focusing on people, place, and process to work awesome, make the world more awesome and be more successful. That's right. Make more money. All things you can do by choosing awesome. Well, hey, thrilled to hear from you, Rebecca. Rebecca, incidentally, has a PhD in education. So she's, and Dr. Morgan obviously has some work opportunities available to her, but has chosen to leave that behind and go out on her own with her consulting business. Congratulations on making the move there, Rebecca. Incidentally, when I, when I say that, I mean, obviously congratulations, if that's where you want to go, but don't think that I'm encouraging everybody just to leave your jobs. Uh, Sometimes because of the, the kind of questions that come in, it may seem like that's where we're going with everybody. No, not at all. I mean, there's always going to be jobs and there's going to be great jobs out there. And if that fits you, By all means, do that with honor. Hold your head high and do it with excellence. I just want people to be aware of all the options. Having a traditional job where you clock in at eight out at five, you know, two weeks vacation, and that's one option. Just be aware that there are many options. If that still does fit you best, then absolutely do that. Well, Stephanie Marie O'Brien has an upcoming workshop, uh, linked to a recent conversation in her group on 48days.net on purpose, passion, prosperous. Um, yeah, pers- purpose, passion, and prosperous. Yeah, that's the group. Anyway, had a great discussion in there about somebody who was ashamed of feeling so frustrated with his work. Um, but she's got a, a, a conference coming up called Master Your Mindset, the seven-step system to break free to your personal breakthrough, conquer your toxic mindsets, and challenge limiting beliefs. I'll put a link to that. The, 
I'll give you the URL here. You can check that out. Stephanie's uh, workshop. I encourage you to check it out. It's movedbypurpose.net forward slash mastering hyphen your hyphen mindset hyphen seminar. I'll put a link to that. That's kind of lengthy to remember there, but we're upcoming workshop. Check it out. Chris Woods says, Hey, I wanted to give you an update. Now this is a guy who wrote to me a couple weeks ago and thanked me for taking care of bees. We've got bees here in our property. Just did the first round of honey processing. I haven't had, you know what? I'm still using store-bought honey because knowing what work goes into harvesting the honey, it's like, wow, I just want to look at it. I don't want to actually eat it, but I'm sure I'll get to that when we run out of what we had from the store previously. But Chris sent us a note a few weeks ago. He said, um, I started a company called the Bee Nectar Company. I worked for a commercial beekeeper, helped manage close to 400 hives. I was saddened by the amount of winter losses, colony collapse, and the amount of antibiotics, chemicals that had to be used to keep the bees functioning. So I decided to do something about it. I've launched the Bee Nectar Company. It's an all-natural, antibiotic-free, hormone-free, steroid-free additive that goes in the bees' feed. It stimulates growth and has helped my hives thrive. Now, that was a couple weeks ago. Just got an update from Chris. He says, hey, I wanted to give you an update. I have taken my idea to dream to gold to profit. I'm now officially in stores with Bee Nectar. It's awesome. Helping bees one hive at a time. Thanks for your encouragement and mentoring. Well, hey, congratulations to you, Chris. My gosh, that's awesome. Incidentally, Chris put a note in. I'd love to give you some free samples. Well, I would love to have some free samples to give to our bees here. We'll help you test your theory, your product, and help you promote it. Yeah, that'd be awesome, Chris. Thanks. Now, i got to give you an update. The last couple of weeks, I've talked about Andrew Miller, who did his Kickstarter funding campaign. You know, he wanted to get $2,000 to do the first run of his little book called The Cloud Dungeon. It's a family-oriented paper craft game adventure. You kind of make up your own characters and story as it goes along. So he wanted to get $2,000. He wrote me a note and said, oh my gosh, it went to $8,000. I'm not sure why it went to $8,000. Then I commented on it two weeks ago when it had gone to $11,000 and still had 14 days to go in his Kickstarter campaign. Now, in, in the Kickstarter campaign, as you know, it's people are making contributions, really, but you offer rewards for that. So they're in the game with you. They know they're going to get something. So it's it's kind of um, they're purchasing something, but it's, it, they like being part of a fun process as well. So we, we've seen some things that have just gone through the roof on there. So anyway, so two weeks ago, it was at $11,000. So he wanted to, went to eight very quickly, then went to 11. Then I talked about it last week. It had gone to $19,000. You know what? That may have been, I may have had an update last week that it was actually at 22,000, almost $23,000. I think by the time the podcast went out now it ended at that point, it was at $23,000 it had 54 hours to go. So it's been up a very long time. The new buzz has worn off and so on. You know what? It went from 23000 to over $30,000. That project ended. You can check it out on Kickstarter. Just look for the Cloud Dungeon. Andrew's project went to $30,446 by the time it was ended. I love that story. I love the fact that it went all the way through like that. How cool is that? 
Well, and, and Andrew's real involved in 48days.net. He's an artist. You can check out his work there, but jump in there and congratulate him on, um, on an amazing Kickstarter program. Congratulations go to Mickey Vandaloo, who just landed a $3 million contract for her grant writing business. Actually, the grant is for a total of $7 million. I mean, that's what she does. She helps companies write grant proposals. So got one that just came in for 7,000 bucks. Congratulations to Mickey. Got a great couple great blogs out there. One is written by Ashley Logson, who happens to be my daughter on don't confuse kindness with weakness, the high S personality style. She's been writing about personality styles. If you're a high S go there and check out Ashley's blog on don't confuse kindness with weakness develops that. Then there's another one that got a lot of attention. This is three people who need a coach by Dr. Terry Hathaway. Uh, he identifies the people who may need a coach, people who are stuck, people who need to refocus their skills, people who aren't fulfilled. Uh, Terry's one of our fairly new coaches. Terry actually worked with me on developing the workbook for the new 48 days seminar. Um, he again is a PhD in education, has a very illustrious background of helping people like Max Licato, Chuck Swindoll, and certainly a lot of others develop work materials to go with their books. So I'm honored to have him on our team you can check out his blog and why people need a coach. Let's see. Well, you know what? Let me just pull this up here. We're going to do our, we'll, we'll do this right here. Got a lot of other things to go through. I want to go right into some other recommendations for you. But just a reminder, yeah, you've been listening to the real stories about people who are taking action, taking massive action. You know, people often write to me, you know, and I'm humbled by this, but they write to me and thank me profusely for my materials and how it changed their life. Well, you know what? There's a whole lot of other material people out there who had access to the same materials and nothing changed. They have the same knowledge. They have access to the same resources. So, you know, I don't take credit for the change. I'm just delighted to see people take action. People who take the information but then turn it into understanding and application. That's when it gets exciting. When people do more than just read it, so congratulations to all of you who are in our success stories today. If you got a success story, I'd love to hear about that. You can go to 48days.com, click on Ask Dan, and you'll see the red starburst there where you can submit your question or your success story there. Or you can just shoot a note directly to me at askdan at 48days.com. Now, I mentioned to you that... Audible is our sponsor today, and I'm going to give you a book recommendation where if you're not yet a member of audible.com, you can get it free. But here's the setup. Got a question from Paul who says, Dan, thanks so much for giving so much of yourself for others. I have a couple of questions. First, is there a quota on how many questions we can ask? No, not at all. There's no quota. And yeah, there are people that I get questions from every week. Now, I, I probably don't integrate those every week, but if it's a great question, I'm still trying to get to it. But uh, no, there's no quota at all. You can submit as many as you want. Second, Paul says, I have ADD and I hate using it as an excuse. However, my mind switches tracks so often I can't seem to make any traction on anything. I only stay focused on any one thing for about a week. Then my mind is on something else. What are some practical things I can do to stay focused to see something through? Okay, now I'm going to talk just a little bit about ADD, ADHD in general. There are things you can do, but the first thing is to get your head around what does that mean for you? Now, this is at a time 
when we've got a lot of healthcare professionals who are, you know, prescribing Ritalin and medicating these symptoms of ADHD out of existence, you know, I mean, how, how many kids do we have who, if they don't sit quietly in their chair, they're being given Ritalin. So they do in fact do that when we ought to be turning them loose to be the next Thomas Edison or Benjamin Franklin. Well, that's a story for another day, perhaps, but you know, it's worth noting that some of ADHD's most common characteristics are creativity, multitasking, risk-taking, high energy, even things like resilience, being able to bounce back. I mean, obviously those things, if they're managed and leveraged in the right way, can be assets. This reminds me, there's there's another book that I'm going to recommend here that you can get on audible.com as well, and that's Malcolm Gladwell's book, David and Goliath where he talks about that very thing, the thing that we think may be our disadvantage may in fact be our greatest asset. But this thing about ADHD, the characteristics that make somebody ADHD, ADD. Wow. I mean, you know, it has to do with having an adventurous spirit. I mean, being willing to strike out on your own. I mean, we know that entrepreneurship is one of those things where a high percentage of people who are successful entrepreneurs have been in fact diagnosed with ADHD. Now it doesn't mean that you, that's your only choice, but you know, we, we hear from people like David Needleman, who is the, well, he's the founder of JetBlue airlines. He very much has ADHD along with guy, the founder of Kinko's, um, yeah, I mean, we could go on and on. Richard Branson, there's a whole lot of people out there who've been diagnosed with ADHD. But David Needleman, founder of JetBlue, says if someone told me I could be normal or I could continue to have ADD, I would take ADD. He thinks that has been a key to helping him accomplish. He says, you know, he looks at things as, how can I do this better? My ADD brain naturally searches for ways of doing things in new and creative ways. He says that if there was a pill he could take to make it go away, he'd refuse to take it because he wouldn't be where he is today without it. And of course, there's a lot of evidence to back him up on that. Now, there was a book that just came out in July by Dr. Dale Archer. He's a medical doctor and it's the ADHD Advantage what you thought was a diagnosis may be your greatest strength. Now it's a great book. I communicated with Dr. Archer before it came out. Um, he had a couple articles in prominent places, communicated with him. We were waiting for the book. It came out on July. It's a great book. I would certainly recommend that you can go to audiblepodcast.com slash 48 days and put in the ADHD advantage and you can pull it up. They can also get Malcolm Gladwell's book, David and Goliath. But here's a little clip. I want to pay, play you just a little more than a minute clip. And this is how you get books when you, this is right out of the ADHD advantage. I want to just have you listen to this and then comment on it before we move on. Could mean the difference between life and death in times of grave danger when there is no time to waste analyzing a decision. Think about it. Our ADHD forebears were the prehistoric survivors who could calmly make a split-second decision to jump off a cliff to save themselves from a charging saber-toothed tiger. 
jumping off a cliff may look crazy, but in fact, this impulsive act, or what some might call a gut instinct, is a split-second calculation based on the odds of survival. After all, a possible broken limb is better than being mauled to death. That quick reaction may be your only real chance of survival. Today, in these turbulent times of economic, social, and technological transition, the ADHD adventurer's moment has come again, and you will meet many who are finding new frontiers as they travel, explore, and discover. These next chapters will challenge the standard view that individuals must suppress their adventurous natures and attempt to squeeze into our ever-narrowing definition of what is defined as normal by focusing on the many positives of a condition that, for many, has contributed to the unique position they hold in the world today. We need to recognize, embrace, and skillfully use the best of this ADHD trait, not manage or stifle or normalize the very qualities that could define our next generation's leaders. Wow, there you go. We don't want to normalize or stifle or suppress the very qualities that may define the next generation's leaders. Well, that's from the ADHD Advantage. And you know, I would just encourage you, Paul, to uh, look carefully at what are the characteristics that define you as having ADD. And rather than trying to do away with those, how could you focus those, leverage those? The fact that you can't focus on one thing, you know, very long. Actually, no, no, we we talked about multitasking. Yeah, that can look a lot like being distracted. Uh, some people with ADHD do very well by hyper-focusing on one thing at a time. My son, Jared, is really in that camp. He doesn't multitask well, but when he does one thing, he does it at 110%, whatever that is. So he's discovered that as a tactic that works very well. So he may work 36 hours straight on something without sleeping or eating and just do an incredible project. Now, that doesn't adapt very well to a normal workplace, but for him, he's able to be extremely productive by having those hyper-focused periods of time. So just look at it. Keep reading, keep asking questions, and I love your, love your question, and, and I'm sure that it was meaningful to a lot of other people as well. Well, Mark says, Dan, I'm on my way to having my own art, outdoor show. However, I've sent my Vimeo promotional video to all the local TV stations and outdoor programs here in Madison, Wisconsin, and the feedback which I've received is that I need to get my own funding. If you were in my shoes, how would you go about securing funding for your show? Do you know of any resources that would be helpful? Well, you've really identified exactly how it does work. I mean, TV stations aren't as interested in, I'm, I'm going to really generalize. They aren't as interested in good content as they are interested in having something on for which sponsors will pay money. I mean, their real product is selling the ads. Their product is not having great quality programming that's why we see the crap that we do on tv because for some reason that negative stuff gets viewers and advertisers know that if they can get in front of viewers they can push whatever product they've got i mean that's the bottom line so the counterpoint to that is you can own the time if you want to have a radio show as an example and the, the way i did it most recently when i was on radio before I went to podcasting, discovered the amazing power of podcasting, but I was on terrestrial radio for six years. I owned that time slot. 
So I owned a three-hour time slot on a 100,000-watt station right here in Nashville, the same one that was a landmark station for Dave Ramsey and Rush Limbaugh and people like that. So I owned that. That means I paid for the time. I think I was paying $1,000 for a three-hour slot. But in every hour, there are 12 commercial minutes. Usually four of those are station breaks and news and so on. So you have eight minutes to sell. So in a three-hour program slot, I had 24 commercials that I could sell. Well, if I sold those for you know, $50 a piece, I'm making money. I'm not only having a three-hour commercial for my own stuff, but I'm making money because I sold the ads for more than I'm paying for the time slot. That's the bottom line. So yeah, if you've got a show, it's not that you have to convince them you've got a good show. You have to somehow convince some advertisers you're going to pay for time slots in that. I mean, when we look at shows that are out there, you know, like American Pickers, I mean, you've got a show that would fall into that same kind of category, you know, just of interest. And, you know, American Pickers is one of those kind of things. Happens to be one I like, incidentally. Um, Mike Wolf lives right here locally, and there's a, there's a benefit coming up here in Franklin in a couple weeks. And I'm going to have the pleasure of introducing Mike. I'm going to do the welcome, going to MC the program and I've got the pleasure of introducing Mike. But you know, you could talk to people like that who have done it. Talk to people who have those shows out there that are kind of the same category as you. And you'll find that they were responsible for getting the advertising dollars lined up as much as they were in just providing great content. Yeah, you're, you're not going to get somebody that's going to just jump on that because you're doing an interesting show. It's got to go more than that. And then that also raises the question, do you need TV or can you do something online where you just have your own show and there's not as much pressure to raise the advertising dollars where you raise a little bit and it goes directly to you anyway? Doug says, I heard you mention your son's issues with bright lights and how the lights affected his early learning before you figured it out. I think my son might have some of the same issues. Is there any more information you can give me or point me in the right direction that might help him? My son has issues with bright lights and at times finds it necessary to wear sunglasses inside. That's a real common issue with kids. And again, especially with kids, maybe diagnosed with ADD, ADHD, one of those things that often is true. We had, golly, that's been too long ago for me to remember. It was right here in Brentwood, Tennessee. And it was a company called, wow, it was like Expressions or something. There was one word like that. I don't think that's quite it. I ought to look it up and I didn't do that. But if you just, if you just Google wherever you are, I mean, if you just look for Rapid City, South Dakota, where you are, I mean, just put in light sensitive testing for children. I mean, just put in something like that in Google and you're going to get a whole lot of places. It's a very common thing. I mean, I know here that Vanderbilt, Belmont, all the major universities, they've got a lot of uh, help in that arena. And we certainly took advantage of that help, you know, with all of our kids and getting them, getting those things addressed. Incidentally, just a reminder again, if you have stories about raising creative kids, boy, I'd love to hear that. Love to hear those stories. Uh, just send those notes to kids at 48days.com. That's something that Joanne, my wife, and I are going to be addressing as a singular theme for the November 20th episode right here at the 48 Days Radio Show. Well, and just a reminder while I'm doing that, if you got a question, yeah, I would love to hear it. Go to the 48days.com site 
click on Ask Dan and you'll see the little opportunity there to submit your question. Or as most of you know, you can just shoot it to me directly at askdan at 48days.com. Now, this is an interesting question. This comes from Jessica, who says, I recently started listening to your podcast as well as purchased your workbook at the advice of my coworker. I'm currently starting a small business building furniture and I have a goal to replace my income in 18 months so I can work from home and spend more time with my two young children. My question is, I currently have a day job that makes $24 an hour. I would like to know if I should use that same rate when calculating my time and cost for a product or should I start out at something lower like $15 till I gain more of a following? Thank you so much in advance for taking the time to answer my question. Well, Jessica, here, here's the deal. Let's just work through the math on this a little bit. $24 an hour at 40 hours a week is $960. You know, let's just round it off to $1,000 a week, $50,000 a year. So you're going to move into building furniture. You're going to be an entrepreneur. So you're moving into this non-traditional creative kind of space. Never base what you're going to do on doing what you do best for 40 hours. If you're going to build furniture, you aren't going to do that for 40 hours. There are supplies to order sales calls to be made emails that have to be answered. I mean, financial records that have to be addressed other administrative duties that have to be handled. So you need to base your projections on maybe 20 to 25 hours a week of actually building furniture. So to keep your current income, you have to think in terms of generating $50 an hour, 20 hours, $50 an hour, thousand dollars. So you're, that's where you are income wise. Now there's a whole lot of furniture that will never justify that kind of hourly compensation. Excuse me. If you're going to make tables or chairs that somebody can get at Ikea, you know, you're not going to be able to compete, but what if you made one of a kind amazing pieces, then that's not unreasonable. But don't think in terms of hourly work. Think in terms of a completed project. Now, you've heard me talk about Aristotle, the amazing you know, six-foot wingspan eagle that stands in front of my office here, carved out of a cedar tree that didn't come back to life. Terry Brasher, who did that, spent two days doing that. So, you know, if she spent, okay, two days, if she spent... 16 hours. I paid her a thousand dollars. So that's, that's going to be $62 and 50 cents an hour. Now, really, I, I think that was pretty cheap for what I got, but essentially she carves wood. If she sat on the square in Franklin on Saturday morning, carving wooden whistles or making birdhouses, you know, she might make $5 an hour. So what you have to look at is what is the uniqueness? What is the remarkability of what you're going to make? If you're going to just make utilitarian functional furniture, yeah, you're going to do well, to have it average out to 15 hours, you know, $15 an hour. And that's not, I mean, that, that puts you back at $600. I mean, that's almost half of what you're making now, even if you calculated it at 40 hours a week, but don't think in terms of hours, think in, ter think in terms of projects. When you're an entrepreneur, you want to go to, if you're just doing hourly, all you did was just create a job for yourself. 
But if you're really going to be in business, think in terms of the projects that you deliver to people. So don't think lower, think higher. I mean, if you're used to making $50,000 a year, how could you make $100,000 a year making furniture that just blows your mind? How could you make a bassinet or a little crib or something? I've got two baby twins in my house right now. I guess my thinking goes immediately to furniture for little babies. But how could you do something that's so astounding that people would pay $800 for it? I mean, Dayton Brown is a guy who has done some work for us here. His furniture, you would never start to calculate how many hours did he put into doing that because his work is so mind-blowing. You immediately look at, oh my, I mean, it's like a piece of art when you look at his furniture. That's the category you have to put yourself into. Otherwise, I would say, don't do it. Don't get yourself locked into just you know, cranking out birdhouses or something mundane like that and thinking that you'll ever be paid enough to make it worthwhile. All right, this comes from, um, eh, we'll call him Charles since he doesn't want me to use his name. Dan, I feel like my job is physically killing me via exhaustion and I'm having unhealthy, terrible thoughts 100% of the time. So let me ask three questions. How do I survive a year of this? Do I have to live like this for a whole year? How do I balance what I have and fit in preparation for the next job? Okay. Charles says, I made a mistake. I hated my job, knew I needed to get out after eight years. So I did a good thing or I, so I thought I took action, succeeded in getting a new job in a new field, but now I'm more miserable than ever. I guess what I did was focus on getting away from what I don't want instead of going toward what I do want. Bad choice. Now I'm a middle school math teacher and being an SC personality type, this does not suit me at all. I don't know how to survive this year. I feel like I can't leave during the middle of a school year, but I'm overwhelmed, frustrated, and exhausted. I only sleep about four or five hours a night because I'm upgrading papers and preparing for and worrying about the next day. I'm trying to do the best with this job. I thought about just walking away and taking a meaningless job somewhere just to reboot and combat the exhaustion while I work toward the job that I really want. But I would feel bad about leaving a teaching job in the middle of the year and the pay cut would be devastating. I've got two wonderful children I'm raising at home, trying to balance that. And I'm playing in a band on the weekends. I feel like I need to give up the band for the sake of time. But this is the one thing that I truly look forward to each week. It's nice to have something to enjoy and look forward to. And the money that I earn playing helps my family financially. Again, I'm exhausted. My energy level is beyond depleted and my thoughts are unhealthy. How do I survive a year of this? Do I have to live for a year like this? How do I balance and so on and so forth? Well, now, you don't have to survive a year. Now, let's just start with the fact that you don't have to go there tomorrow. Whatever you're listening to this, you don't have to go there tomorrow. I mean, obviously, that's a choice that you can make. I mean, the world's not going to end if you don't show up. You may decide that's not a good choice. And if so, then recognize you're making the choice. At least put yourself back in the driver's seat, even while you know this isn't the ideal. But the real issue is knowing what you're going to don't do again what you did the last time and just escape something and make it no. See, if you knew you had something amazing that you were building or moving toward in May, here we are in October. So you're teaching school, it, the job sucks, you know, you're exhausted, frustrated and having unhealthy thoughts. But if you knew that in May you had something really cool 
that you were going to develop or you're building toward that now, it'd start to lessen the pain immediately. I mean, I've seen that happen a thousand times. So the, the first step is get clear on what that would look like. Before you make any changes at all, get clear on what would be the ideal. Now, I don't know what you were doing previously, but if you're teaching school now, you're probably making, what, forty-five to 55000 I suppose. You know, so you're making about 25 bucks an hour. I mean, there's a lot of things you could do that would generate that. Don't think that leaving that is somehow going to just tank your income and you're going to be, you know, working at Taco Bell at eight bucks an hour. I mean, surely you have other marketable skills that you could move into something where you could be in comparable kind of income. But, but first, you know, just give yourself a breather here. Take a deep breath. Go back and take a fresh look at what you bring to the table. What are your skills and abilities? What are your personality traits? What are your values, dreams, and passions? Take a fresh look at those. You know, I'm, I'm, now you've been around a while here. I assume you have, you know, I'm going to make sure that you have a, a brand new copy of the 48 days to the work you love book. I mean, as there's a lot of new content in there, I'll make sure that we get a copy of that shot out to you, Charles. So you can at least review that, maybe get back on track with what you're doing. This comes from Jonathan. It says, I wanted to say how awesome it was to meet you at Frothy Monkey in Franklin last month. We, we were, Joanne and I were sitting there on a Sunday night and at Frothy Monkey, you know, which is kind of a cool little coffee shop hangout in Franklin. And um, Jeff and Ashley Goines had just come up and sat down at a table right next to us. Jeff is an author as well, wrote The Art of Work. A lot of you recognize him and his work. But uh, they were there and other people that we knew along the porch. And somebody came up and sat down. And I saw him make eye contact. And so I just smiled when he sat down. Anyway, about five minutes later, you know, he got up. He says, aren't you Dan Meller? He said, I recognize your voice. But anyway, they were traveling and decided to stop there. And we talked for a little bit. So um, Jonathan says, your book on the job search process is what I'm using to find a marketing or communications job. I'm in trouble. You see, I made the mistake of sending my intro letter and cover letter and resume to the CEO of the company when I should have sent it to the director or VP of the department. Should I rework my list, only have the VP or director and restart my process? Also, what are your thoughts on paying for subscriptions or job listing services? Well, Jonathan, the fact that you sent it to the wrong person at a company, you sent it to a CEO, not a big deal. I mean, it is a non-issue. You can send it to three more people at the same company if you want to. You know, see, we tend to think that if you sent our, our resume in, wow, you know, that's you know, at the top of the desk, everybody in the company is gathered around looking at it. Well, you know, that's not true at all. You know, it may have never gotten seen. If you send it to three more co- people in the same company that only has 40 employees, it doesn't matter. I mean, if, I mean, the worst that could happen, I mean, the best that could happen is they say, geez, I got that resume too. I mean, that, that really could work to your advantage, not disadvantage. But um, the worst could happen is you decide, well, you boo-booed, so you need to move on to another company because you made that mistake. Nah, not at all. Resend it, send it to whoever you want to there. Just do that. Um, thoughts on paying for subscriptions to job listing services? Well, if you pay more than $5, you know, you're probably wasting your money. I mean, I, it just, that's such an impersonal process. It's just not going to add much to what you're doing. If you want to do it, that's fine, but don't put much weight on it in terms of how it's going to impact your job search. It's just a tiny, tiny portion. 
and the chances of success from that are going to be really, really minimal. Um, Brandon says, I previously taught for five years, but with cutbacks in education, I lost two different teaching jobs. A year ago, I started with a data management company. I'm doing really well. I was promoted last week. I enjoy what I do. I've developed Excel and project management skills and would like to add income by freelancing. I have a passion for using data, data visualization, Excel, and other things for helping people solve a wide variety of problems or even suggest a better way to run their business. I've started listening to your podcast, feel motivated to do something on my own. Any help or guidance you have to get start would be very much appreciated. Well, Brandon, here's the deal. If you've got experience with Excel, project management, data, data visualization, those kind of things, create a product, not just a generalized service. Don't farm yourself out, you know, at $50 an hour, whatever. create a product, you know, and by that, I mean, you, you could have a service that is delivered where you do a four hour training session on Excel to make a superstar out of the person you're working with, you know, give it some kind of a fancy name, but now you have a product. You're not just being paid hour. You have a product. And so that product is $797, whatever. Again, don't equate it to hours. If you're going to be on your own, get away from this hourly thing. Identify projects that you can do. When I do coaching with somebody, they're not paying me for my hours. They're paying for the process. And we just simply identify the process is going to include these components. Here's the other thing. When people buy a product, they pay for it in advance. If you go and buy a new computer, you don't just take it home and think, well, you know, you're going to pay when they send you the bill. No, you pay for it before you walk out of the store. That's what happens with products. With services, we're used to paying for them after the fact. So you go to your doctor. Yeah, 30 days later, you get a bill. You go to your attorney. Same kind of thing. That's a service. Well, that can cause you challenges if you're a small entrepreneur in terms of cash flow. So identify what it is you do as a product. People pay for it in advance, just like they do for my coaching. Paid for it in advance. Um, Keith says, I heard about this service on the radio. Same old line dudes will wait in line for you. I thought it was a creative way to make some money. It really is. Thanks, Keith. This is a pretty cool thing. What you do is now it has to be in a major city where they're operational. But if you're in New York and there's a line for the grand opening of a new store or you want to be in line to get lunch at a really hot spot and you can't be there, these people will stand in line for you and hold a place. Now it's 25 bucks for the first hour, $10 for each additional 30 minutes. So if you have a two hour wait, it's going to be what? $45. But what a cool thing. And again, just think about the simplicity of that idea. There's no bricks and mortar, no leasing space, no buying inventory. It's just a simple little idea that somebody turned into how to make money. David says, I know someone who's expressed interest in being a massage therapist in the future. Is your massage therapist in the business of providing training? If not, would your massage therapist be willing to provide a suggestion for a good school? Now you've probably heard me talk about my massage therapist. Um, Joanne and I have had the same massage therapist for, I guess about four years now. The previous one we had for about eight, but Nanette, we've had Nanette for about, now I'm, don't ask me for her name. We don't, I mean, she's so busy. She can't take any more people because she is so amazing and she can't take any more people on at all. Now, here's the thing. You ask me if she's interested in, in training. No, she loves what she's doing. 
Matter of fact, I just t- I took a picture of her shirt last week when he, she was here because it talks about, you know, being a massage therapist is not a job. It's her calling. You know, I mean, that's the way she feels about it. Thank goodness. We love having somebody who thoroughly loves what they do and feels privileged to be able to do that. She thanks us for the privilege of giving us massages. I mean, how cool is that? It's not like, hey, dude, I did what you wanted. Now give me a check. Not at all. No, sure, we pay her and pay her well. We love what she does. Now, here's the deal. The question that you asked, David, you know, prompted me to think, well, I don't know where Nanette got her training. I've never asked her where she got her training. Frankly, I've never asked her if she's certified as a massage therapist. I got her as a referral from other people. We've done the same. We referred her to a whole lot of our great friends. That's why she's so busy. She can't take on anybody else at this point. But it wasn't because I was impressed with her credentials. I was impressed with what she did. I asked her when your email came in, I shot her a note. I said, Hey, where did you go to school? If you went to school? Well, she went to the Florida school of massage in Gainesville, Florida. And she's licensed here. She gave me all that information, but that was the first time it ever came up. And I've been using it for four years. But again, it kind of, frames how important some of the issues we put at the front of the importance premierly are. They are not the most important issues. Uh, Don't lead with your credentials, lead with your competence. Well, you know what? I'm going to have to wrap up there. Um, Boy, well, let me just squeeze in one more here. I got some, I got some of that. I really want to develop about how to leverage intellectual property. Somebody who's doing yoga and somebody who's doing um, another thing that they want to uh, use their bookkeeping skills and how to leverage those. And I want to really take a little more time to develop how to create multiple streams of income, how to create income while you're sleeping, even if you are skilled in something like massage or yoga. So I'll address that next week. This question comes from Eric and I'll end with this one. I'm 35 years old, currently have a very profitable career in tech sales, which is what I've done for the past 10 years. I feel blessed. This career is provided for me and my wife, our five children, but I'm ready for a change. While it has two of the three legs of the stool, the leg that is missing is passion. To be honest, what I would really love to be doing is working as worship leader again, which is what my first job was out of college. However, I know that this would be virtually impossible to replace my current salary of over $200,000 a year doing this. I've thought about coaching and begin writing articles, but I can hardly imagine making the same kind of income with this. Simply put, what if my true passion doesn't make any money? (laughs) Well, a very common question. Don't believe it. Don't believe it. We can take any of the things that you mentioned and turn it into duplicating your $200,000 year income. You talk about, you know, coaching and writing. Yeah. You know, coaches and write and, and writers usually make a very, very little money. Um, what do you think about, what do you think about Dan Miller? Now, you know, I don't go into that a whole lot here because I don't want to, I don't want to lead with that. But do you think that maybe I squeeze out $200,000 a year as a lowly coach and writer. Well, I'd be happy to sit down with you and give you a little more information on that. And I I share some of that, like in Coaching with Excellence. I, I Even there, I don't go into my figures. I talk about figures that are very realistic. And believe me, with anything that I show, yeah, you can add a couple zeros to that in terms of what I do personally. 
And I love being able to, you have to believe that it's possible to start with. You have to believe that the direction you want to go in, that it is possible. It doesn't matter if the average is that people are making $50,000 there. If you want to teach, yeah, can we show you ways to do that where you can make $200,000? Sure. How do you leverage that? How do you leverage your unique passion? That's all we're talking about. But then that's where you can get creative. How do you do the things that leverage that where you expand on that? So I'll spend some time next week talking about how you can take something like massage, yoga, writing, coaching, speaking, all those things where you think, well, gee, I don't have to do that, but I don't want to live on beans and rice, rice and beans, like Dave Ramsey would talk about. Well, you don't have to, trust me. You can identify whatever income you want, and if you're creative and do things with excellence, absolutely, you can write your own ticket. Maybe I'll even share with you next week about the new car I just got. Not new, obviously, but new to me. But, you know, you can have the things that you want if you're creative in how you approach it. Well, Gal, I don't mean to just throw this out there as a teaser, but certainly I want to show you some real ways that you can do that. So we'll talk more about that next week. Hey, thanks for being part of this community where we, in fact, are finding or creating work that is meaningful, purposeful, and profitable. Don't settle for less. Forty.